Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To hitchhike across the galaxy? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, or happy post-Thanksgiving. Welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. I'm Anthony. I'm Brad. Yeah, that guy over there is Brad. (laughs) Uh, Brad, how was your Thanksgiving? How was your Black Friday? Uh, It was nice. Got to spend some time with family and everything. Didn't do anything for Black Friday this year. There was actually nothing I wanted for Black Friday on sale, so I kind of just completely skipped it. I didn't even do like the movie run at Best Buy or anything. I got, I got one movie at Best Buy, Zack Snyder's Justice League for $10. Okay. I f- figured that's a solid deal, so I just picked it up. I was going to get the Green Knight for $7.99, but they didn't have it at that Best Buy. They have it for that price on Amazon, but by this point, my uh, I'm kind of Black Friday'd out. I'm like, eh. <laughs> it, it, it's not that important. It, it doesn't really matter anymore. It, it doesn't have that doesn't. same feeling. It doesn't. It was really crowded at the mall down here. Uh, I go to Concord Mills. It was crowded at that mall. My um, my wife went to a bunch of sh- uh, you know clothing stores. But yeah, the movie sales this year weren't really popping that much. It's yeah, not I, high, it, it, it's not like it was when we were younger. Yeah, it just. I, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I've I've seen all these movies. Uh, these sales aren't making me go. I need to own these movies right now. And especially with streaming and everything like that, like you can pretty much have everything on like if you have Netflix, Disney uh, and like HBO and Hulu, you're good. You basically have everything at that point. You you have everything. And if a film doesn't have that many special features on the Blu-ray, it's just not worth it to me anymore. That's one thing that we're losing. We're losing special features. I think we are. Because, you know, I looked at the special features of Justice League. I don't know if there's more special features on the 4K or something, but I got the Blu-ray. And it's just Zack Snyder on a retrospective of his career, which is well and good. But, I mean, I can go into, like, the making of the movie. I could be wrong. Maybe he does do that on the special features. But I'm like, retrospective is fine, but that's it. That's all we get. Yeah, we no longer get like all the like behind the scenes kind of stuff or the kind of making of uh, blooper reels, stuff like that just doesn't come on Blu-rays anymore as heavily as it used to. People can say what they will about uh, Christopher Nolan, but he he really does um, go in on all of his uh, film special features. Like when you look at Interstellar. Inception, Dunkirk, they all have great special features. 
Yeah, that's one of the things with some of those directors, like the making of is some of the best. I look forward to seeing that more than I do owning the movie on Blu-ray most of the time because that's the first time you get to actually see that. David Fincher, too. He, yeah. Uh, he, 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 uh, he goes really in-depth with his special features. But this isn't why people are here. Um, they are here because we are doing a Thanksgiving mashup. It was it was always expected for us to do this. So we got Planes, Trains, and Automobiles versus uh, one of uh, A24's newest films that premiered on Showtime, The Humans. Uh, you know, I mean, usually we go for the older ones, but because Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is such a classic, you, you just want to go with that first? Uh, yeah, let's start with the classic. Okay, okay. All right. Um, you know what, man? I'll let you take the lead on this one. So, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles follows the story of two people that are stuck in, uh, what was it? It was in Kansas after trying to fly home to Chicago Airport. And uh, from there, uh, they, all flights are delayed, so they have to take this weird cross-country tour, more or less, to get to Chicago. And by taking basically every form of transport possible from train, bus, uh, they jump in the back of a pickup for a while, they're in the back of an actual like semi-truck, uh, car, it's, it's a very like road trip movie of getting home in time for Thanksgiving and about, you know, things, uh, you know, being thankful for what you have and everything like that, even when you're on a down look turn. And it's just a classic movie. I'm pretty sure most people have seen this movie before. Yeah. And it what really brings this movie alive is the humor. It is just on point through the entire hour and a half this movie is playing. The humor, the character development, like you have Steve Martin who um usually is the over the top guy in movies, but he's such a straight man to like John Candy's good-hearted but obnoxious and annoying salesman character. Yes. Like Steve Martin plays a great, hilarious straight man in this movie. Because Neil is a high... His character, Neil, he's a high-strung guy. He doesn't really... He's not a people person. Yeah, he's a you very know, he just, grumpy person. Yeah, he, he wants to be left alone. He just he's just he just wants so bad to be with his wife and kids during Thanksgiving. That's like the only sol- solace in his life. And being stuck with this guy who was extremely chatty, uh, stole his cab by mishap. Um, and, you know, he just keeps... He just keeps like just um, for, for running him one in the situations where he keeps uh, reuniting with this guy. They get to a certain point and they, uh, you know, kind of, you know, go certain go go on their uh, go on their, go th- separate ways, and then they Something's just rejoin each other, yeah. you know, through coincidence. Yeah, they go their separate ways and they just rejoin by co- exactly what Brad said. Um, yeah, man, my wife had never seen this movie. Oh, really? So on Thanksgiving, we watched a bunch of movies that uh, had to do with Thanksgiving. Uh, and I, I put this to the top of the list. I had to shoot this to the top of the list because she wanted to put Halle Berry's newest movie, uh, Bruise, to the top of the list. We saw that, too. But I said, no, no, this is a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. Like, not just released on Thanksgiving. This is a Thanksgiving movie. We we need to shoot this to the top of the list. And uh, we watched this uh <laughs> alongside son-in-law and you remember that with Polly Shore I, I remember son-in-law <laughs> and uh she she loved both of them man um 
she enjoyed this movie. She understood why I liked it so much because she was like, I don't know, man, this is the 80s. And I was like, hold on, hold on. Hold on. First of all, this is 80s John Hughes. This isn't just any 80s film here. Right. You know what I mean? Like this, this, and this is Steve Martin and John Candy. Like she says, oh, yeah, Uncle Buck. Yeah, like, Uncle yeah. Buck. <laughs> right. That, that's Wait, she's she seen Uncle Buck, but she hasn't seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, she's seen Home Alone, but I wouldn't be surprised if she hasn't seen Ferris Bueller or The Breakfast Club. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, because I remember seeing this way before I saw Uncle Buck. Like, I actually heard of Uncle Buck because I was looking for other movies that were similar to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Right. I can understand that. That same thing for me. I found out about Uncle Buck because, you know, again, looking for similar John Candy films. And I was looking for another film with Macaulay Culkin in it. That's how I came across it. Oh, okay. And then I found out, oh, written by John Hughes, too. You know, like, that's that's how I came across it myself. Um, But, you know, one thing I love about this movie, man, is that it has a lot of humor to it, but there's heart, too. You know, it's... You you get to see... Uh, Steve Martin's kind of uh, character turn to enjoy, you know, the company of this lunatic. Right. He's not even a lunatic. He he means well. He, he does mean that, well, but he's, he's like just, hyperactive. He's hyper. He's hyper. Um, he's a little too eccentric, a little too extroverted. But the key scene that. Uh, that demonstrates how these people are such foils but you know kind of meant to meant to be together in this misadventure is when um the classic scene in the hotel room where uh, steve martin he's finally just had enough and he just goes off on dale like man you just you just you just tell so many stories here's a hint when you tell a story have a point like you're like one of those dolls where you pull the string to keep hearing the doll talk and say you pull your own string. Nah, 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 nah. And then Dale kind of goes into that monologue where he's like, you know what? I like me. My wife likes me. I, I, I know I talk a bit, you know, but I, you know, I, I, I observe, too. I listen to that, too. And then you kind of realize that even though Dale is kind of a hyperactive person, again, he means well. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just who it's just who he is. Like Neil, it's just who he is that he's so high strung. Well, even in uh, the scene with the hotel, the next hotel where he's like sitting out in the car and it's like after the car is burned down, basically, and he's just talking to himself and like, ah, it's happened again. I I just I always get like so excited to meet new people and then I push them away as a result because, you know, like he knows his faults a little bit. You know, he tries to contain himself, but he's he enjoys talking to people. It's his thing. He's a great flawed character because he knows his flaws and at least tries if you even if he doesn't succeed he tries to do better like um that's why and i i love john candy you know rest in peace how he sold this role you know what i'm saying because he just mm-hmm. has that lovable personality that even if he's obnoxious you just laugh because it's john candy you know what i'm saying yeah yeah he definitely pulls in this role perfectly uh, because yeah, he comes off as a little annoying, but you can tell that he's not trying to be annoying. He's sincere and he always looks out for Neil throughout the movie. You know, even though Neil tries his best to steer clear of Dale, any chance he gets, he goes like, look, um, there was one scene in the restaurant, uh, after the, uh, you know, 
those aren't two pillows scene when they oh, woke yeah. up. Uh, he, they're in a restaurant, and this is before they realized they got mugged. He says, listen, man, I think I'm going to just go on this alone. Um, I, I, I just think it's better if we just kind of, uh, you know, again, separate our go our separate ways. And, you know, then they realize, you know, their money was stolen. Um, <laughs> one of the best lines ever, dude. Like Steve Martin is great at sarcasm in this movie. Like because uh, he thinks John, he thinks Dale took his money and then Dale throws him his wallet. Like count it. It should be like one hundred and three dollars in there. Steve checks the wallet. He says here. And then, you know, Dale says, we've been robbed. <laughs> oh, you think? Oh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect delivery. Right. Oh, yeah. It, the two just bounce off each other perfectly. That oh, you it, know, you know they do. I don't think you could have had two other actors pull in this same kind of thing. Because you could always have, like, a Tommy Boy kind of movie and stuff like that. But, which is also good. Which is very good. But with Steve Martin and John Candy, there's it, you could bring up other duos that are similar to them, but still, it it's hard to be like, oh yeah, somebody another duo could definitely pull off this movie the same way. I feel like there have been there have been nice replicas like Tommy Boy, like you said, is a good example. Due Date with Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis is a good example. Yes, there have been many films that are inspired by and kind of are like the children of planes, trains, and automobiles, but. They don't beat the original. No, they're great movies on their own, but they still don't stand up to the source. Yeah, yeah. This this is a um, this is just a perfect movie to me, man. And even with the realization in the end, you know, that uh, Dale's wife has been uh, you know, passed for some time, and he kind of has no home. He he really is a traveling salesman. You know, you can see when it dawns on Neil that, you know, this is Dale's life, just traveling from state to state. And he kind of invites him to come stay with him for Thanksgiving and, you know, possibly a little possibly far uh, further out than that, too. We, you know, it's kind of up in the air, but he yeah. want he wants to give him a place to stay. Yeah. Um, At least give him a Thanksgiving with family because he really doesn't have family anymore. You know, he even mentions that he's the last of his line, you know. Mm hmm. Yeah, this is a great this is a great um odd couple type of film. And uh I'm I'm pretty much wrapped up, man. I don't even think this deserves a rating. This is just a double feature classic in my book. This one, yeah, this this is a perfect movie to me. It's one that's going to stand the test of time. I can watch it over a thousand times and still get laughs out of it. Uh What's the car scene with John Candy? Uh, do the what is it? What's the song that's playing? I'm trying to remember it. Uh, do the walk around? No. Everybody do the walk around. Yeah, that's everybody. That, that yeah. seems funny. The amount of movies that have done like parodies or homages to that scene alone is incredible. And yeah, it's it's one of those things that more people probably know that homage now than know this movie as the source of it because it shows up in so many ways. Let me tell you something, man. Not everybody can pull off that F-bomb scene that Steve Martin pulls off where he's at the rental agency and he's pissed off. And the lady behind the counter is such a nice lady. Oh, yeah. Like, no, not everybody can pull that off and still be funny. Cause he's just like such a raging asshole in that scene, but it's so funny how he delivers it. Like, I want my fucking car in my fucking that was supposed to be in the fucking driveway, and then homegirl just says, "Oh, we're all out." 
what does that mean? Oh, you're fucked. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, the that scene alone made the movie go from a PG to an R rating. Uh and yeah. John Hughes was like, "Yeah, okay, that sounds fair." <laughs> Like he knew that this was going to get an R rating because of that scene. He would not take it out because they don't swear in the rest of the movie at all. You know, nothing even close to a swear. Right. And I love I never know. I didn't notice this until like second viewings, um, like subsequent subsequent viewings that uh, when he first doesn't find the car in the driveway, if you listen to the music score, it's like remixing his his line from earlier in the film. You're messing with the wrong guy. And like in like mixing it with like the music score like of the of the scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I think that was funny. I just think that's a little a funny quirk that I noticed. But uh, yeah, man, straight up classic out of five to me. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh. All right, man. We gonna switch gears here. We gonna move on to uh a24's uh newest release that uh came out on showtime and limited engagement in theaters i think it's in theaters too is uh, it in limited... theaters too yeah it's in limited theaters oh, okay. uh the humans um uh written and directed by Stephen karam which is based off his play this is his directorial debut it's a pretty impressive one too um but uh this is a film about uh a family that is gathering around for thanksgiving in new york in this uh kind of like two-story apartment um the uh the person the host of the evening is uh one of the daughters one of the um younger daughters uh and her uh, boyfriend and uh she's uh she's invited uh her older sister um her mother her father and um her grandmother who has dementia in a wheelchair dude i gotta say man this is one of the most um this 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 is a when 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 I when you, when you peel back the layers of this movie, this is a brilliant movie, but this is a brilliant depressing movie, dude. It, it is a very depressing movie because it goes into some weird, like deep subjects and stuff. Uh, like it does, it does go into the grandmother's dementia quite a bit. Uh, it goes into uh, various people in the family having like depression, where uh, I believe the daughter is still kind of going through it, and then her husband is like. Uh, gone through therapy and stuff like that, and he's you know coming back from depression and. They're married. I thought they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, I maybe it was just boyfriend girlfriend. Uh, okay. I I kind of just assume from the way that they were talking in some of the scenes and stuff like that, but I can't remember them specifically saying. So it could be just boyfriend girlfriend because they just bought a like apartment or in New York together. Because uh, they were just moving there. Like, the furniture hadn't even come in through yet. Here's... Okay. Um, the thing I... This movie kept being pitched as a... As a... Kind of a social horror film. And at first, I was like... I looked at the trailer, and I was like... I don't see it. It just looks like an emotional family uh, drama that's that's kind of like a play. Because it's based off a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't see any horror stuff here but when you watch the movie and it took me a while to kind of get what was going on uh sometimes when and this is this is with just with two central characters it's not with every character when you're dealing with the father uh played by richard jenkins and you're dealing with the mother played by um i think her name is jane uh how so hold on let me get this name right jane howdy shell 
um, you you see the father kind of he's very anxious every time he kind of crosses a dark corner. You hear like sinister sounds from the score and you feel like something's creeping up on him. But it's like a it's like an unknown thing surrounding him. Same with the mother. When the mother is alone, sometimes you feel like there's like a dark, sinister presence by her, but you don't you don't see it. You know what I'm saying? You don't yeah. you just kind of feel it. it they um, definitely like try and push some of the mood into like a thriller movie, especially with like dark corners and stuff like that and some of the right. hallways being like very claustrophobic. Yeah. And when I took all that in, um initially when the movie was over you know, I was kind of like, OK, but what what did all that mean? And when I kind of like looked at other reviews and other interpretations of it, I kind of went, oh, OK, that makes sense. So it's like, you, I mean, it's, it's up it's up for it's up for your own interpretation. But, you know, I kind of looked at it like, OK, it kind of feels like just that's anxiety. You know what I'm saying like that's depression creeping up on you that's past demons creeping up on you like when the father gives a revelation later in the film about why he is so anxious you know why Mm -hmm. it does feel like a dark sinister invisible being is surrounding him because he has something on his mind you know i'm saying same with the wife you know she has something on her mind the thing about these characters is they hide their they hide their demons and flaws through like piercing cynicism you know i'm saying and it, it it's kind of so piercing that you kind of feel sad for the kids because it's like, dang, man, like that lady just played, you know, your daughter just played some some art that she really put her heart into. You know, your other daughter just made a sincere comment. And you follow it up with sarcasm. Yeah, like, uh, you, well, there's always a job in retail for you kind of thing. It's like, ah, yeah, OK. That was a stupid thing to say. Yeah. But again, this is hot. This isn't for everybody. But sometimes when you get together with your family. There's things you love about your family that makes them your family, but then there's things that you don't like about your family that make them your family. Yeah, you know this saying? is the awkward family reunion kind of movie, and it, that's what it's trying to be, and it pulls that off uh, mm-hmm. while also like giving a little bit of deep character to all these people because uh, it's not like these are happy-go-lucky people that are just kind of awkward in the family setting. Uh, they all have problems outside of the family and stuff like that. We see that with uh, the other sister and uh, her recent breakup, and she needs to go in for surgery soon. Uh, you see that with uh, Stephen Young's character, with him talking about uh, his depression and how he got through it and how he's like still trying to find his place there. Uh, with the one daughter with still trying to find a job and like be able to express herself correctly. Uh, the grandmother's going through her dementia. Uh, the father has like all this anxiety and everything. The mother wants everything to be perfect around her and she can't control it. It's like, and, and another thing is, you know, and there's, there's the hypocrisy that your parents can have. Like, regardless of whatever their thing is, whether it's, you know, religion or, you know, just, um, you know, try to be a better person or whatever. It's like you preach to your kids or going to church, but you guys don't seem like happy Christians. Y'all seem like miserable people that you went to church and, you know, one of the people at your church is uh, you, because the husband, you know, had a kind of affair with them is the reason why you're not happy. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's just... There, there, there's kind of heartbreaking hypocrisy there with the with the parents, but 
you understand that they don't want their kids to be like them, but they don't realize that they're turning them into them by just being themselves. Yeah. Like they're they're trying to push themselves onto their kids, but they want their kids to be better than them. That's where a lot of the sarcasm and stuff comes from with their comments and everything. It's it's kind of that tough push to be better. Um, to be better and not deal with small things that seem like nonsense, but really aren't. You know what I'm saying? Like how Amy Schumer's character, Amy, she kind of just brushes off the little uh, intestinal ailment thing she has to take care of. Like, it's nothing, you know, I, I just got to take care of it so it won't become cancer. And I just got to, you know, poop through my abdomen now. I'm like, that's not a small thing at all. Like, that's a huge change. And you just went through a breakup. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, then it comes to the point where she finally breaks down. And, you know, her dad tries to tell her the usual things. Hey, you'll find somebody. You'll be great. And she's like, stop telling me nice things. And then he actually does stop. And she's like, don't don't really stop. You Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you that just because I'm going through something. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like... It's be there. Don't just give the cliched conversation points. Right, right. Um, well, you know, even give the even give the cliche conversation points. I'm just telling you to stop in this moment because I just don't want to because I, I'm just being my rebellious self. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, don't take don't like like um, don't don't take what I'm saying to heart in this moment. Oh, I took it as more her trying to like stop the cliches because that's what his dad or her dad would do constantly is just always cliched kind of phrases uh, throughout the entire right. movie. So that's how I was taking it is like stop with that, you know, like. But don't stop saying good things. Stop with the cliches. I got to say, um, you know what, man? I think it's about time we we put respect on this guy's name. He's 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 no longer Glenn from The Walking Dead. He's he's Steven, oh, Steven Yun Yun? now. Yeah, he, he's Steven. Oh, Yun. He's Steven Yun now. Um, I was gonna say with Steven Yun's character Richard, I feel like he's the only one in this thing that has it has it all together, like because he's kind of like overcame his depression. You know what I'm saying? He feels like he's kind of like overcome the worst battle of his life, and he he kind of. He reacts positively to uh, Bridget's family. Like, he doesn't right. come off disgusted by any of the, like, bitter back and forth they have at the Thanksgiving table or anything like that. He kind of brushes it off like, you know, they're human, you know, a.k.a. the title of the movie. Um, and I love the story he tells about a comic book he used to read where there were these monsters that read books about the monsters in their world, which are us, human, human beings. We were the monsters to monsters. Mm -hmm. pretty much and it just adds into the whole theme of like you know you know uh dark corners of like uh that um eric richard jenkins character walks around and just feels you know terrifying um sensations all around him that deirdre feels all around her it just adds to that you know how like they're dealing with their personal monsters and um yeah, this film, when you really peel its layers back and really set it in your head to think about it, it becomes deeper the more you think about it. On first watch, you'll kind of be like, okay, what did all that mean? On you know, first watch, this is a very slow movie. That There's yeah. there's that warning, getting straight out of it. Uh, this is based on a play. It's very much like, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but the... Uh, Hateful Eight? Yes. 
Well, that would be another movie that's similar in this kind of like vein. Yeah, Hateful Eight had more of a Tarantino pace to it, though. Yeah, it's a Tarantino movie, so it it was fast paced. But I I hear what you're saying. It's all set in one setting, um, but there's not a lot of action. It's all dialogue. Yeah, because it's like most movies that are kind of based on plays. uh, It obviously is made to be setting in a single kind of space. So that's Mm -hmm. this apartment. They don't really leave the apartment. Uh, It's the entire movie takes place here. So it's kind of like a bottled movie in that sense. And with that, they get pretty creative with some of the sets and some of the angles that they take to make it kind of look a little bit bigger than it actually is, too. They do. Um, it's it's a very emotionally distant, socially distanced film. It's how I like to call it. Like yeah. it this 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 film feels like it's a uh, mid COVID. You know, like you know how like some films felt kind of very post nine eleven, where they kind of like dug into the anxiety of post nine eleven. This film ve- feels very mid COVID. Like it's in the moment of COVID. Right. I, I can definitely see that. You know, um, because, you know, I feel like everybody, even if you haven't had anxiety before, probably gained a little anxiety through living through an actual pandemic. You know what I'm saying? So, like, a film like this kind of, it resonates with me more in a time like this than it would in any other time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's the feeling of not knowing what's going to happen uh, in the future, like being unsure of what the future holds and it's completely out of your control. It's not like, Oh, I wonder if I'm going to be able to, you know, go to this college or, you know, get this job and stuff. The unknown is, I don't know if I'll be able to get a job in the future. I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back out and meet people again. Like it's a completely different unknown. That's completely out of your control that, you have no answers to and you don't even have a timeline for when those answers are going to come. Right. And, um, I love how, uh, you know, like some of the Jack, like when this film first starts, when Bridget is talking with Richard, it feels like Bridget is kind of like, you know, a little, a little short with him and a little rude with him. Like, babe, stop, like, just stop it. You know, but then he kind of like, you know, he kind of like holds her a little bit and gets her to smile a little bit. It's It feels like that's her parents talking in the beginning, but he knows how to level her out and be like, hey, you're not your parents. Like, I know you're kind of stressed out because they're here and they're always stressed and have anxiety, but you, you can relax. Like, I feel like she's kind of the one that's in transition and not being like her folks. Same with Amy, um, mm. too. Um so you you see them you see their influence kind of hover over them as they're there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They they definitely have a presence in their lives and they shaped kind of how they act around different people. Cuz yeah, even so when the sisters are talking to each other and everything like that, you know, it, they have that tone of their parents when they're talking to each other a little bit as well. Mhm. You know, one of the um, I feel like one of the best moments to me, and it was it, it was kind of like ambiguous, but the moment where Richard Jenkins' character kind of reveals to his uh, daughters that hey, you know, um, we're kind of falling on hard times. Like uh, the school is letting me go, and they're like, "What? Why? You've been there forever." He says, "Yeah, but there's a morality clause, and uh, you know, uh, oh, by the way, I cheated on your mom some time ago." 
we're all right though. We've we've went to counseling and everything, and you could see you see them just trying to process everything like what, and you, mm-hmm. you cut to upstairs. Momo was like freaking out, like the grandma. She's like freaking out and cussing and stuff like that. And it sounded to me the stuff she was saying. It sounded like maybe she was there when um, uh, Richard Jenkins and his wife um, uh, Deirdre they were um, first arguing about the affair because everything that came out of her mouth seemed like something a wife would say in anger to her husband. Mm-hmm. You know, because she was like, you know, go home to your bitch, go home to your bitch. It seemed like something a wife would say to a husband that's cheated. So that was something that was kind of telling too. Seems like Momo has all the secrets. It, which is ironic because she's the one with dementia. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, th- this is a very kind of a depressing movie uh, from basically every character angle, almost. Uh, but it shows that the family can get along and, you know, be happy kind of together and everything like that, even with the circumstances that surround them outside of the moments they're spending together. Yeah, Richard Jenkins' character, Eric, I I speak about his character a lot because he's kind of like the crux of the movie. He says it best in a speech, which is like the worst toast ever. He says, you know, we're given things in life and, um, you know, they don't last forever. You know, they don't last forever. Then he just kind of ends and then everyone looks at him like, what kind of toast was that? He's like, well, you know, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, this isn't forever. Let's just hold on to it. So it's Mm -hmm. just like. Even in moments of like saluting everybody, it's still a little bit of sadness that hangs over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this film, I'll say this. It is a depressing movie. It's a weird film to pair with planes, trains, and automobiles. It is so when I was watching this movie, I was like, I don't think Anthony like knew anything about this movie when he was suggesting we pair this with planes, trains, and automobiles. Cause this is like the furthest from planes, trains, and automobiles that you can get in a movie. Hey man, this is we might have well you know? has just watched Saw, and that would be closer to planes, trains, and automobiles. Listen, man, I'll, I'll be honest, man. It was either, I was about to say Son-in-Law because those are both Thanksgiving movies, or Son of a Woman with Al Pacino, which is a great movie. That's a Thanksgiving movie too. Mm-hmm. But I I just picked the Humans because it just came out. And I was like, oh, well, you know, Brad likes to talk about new movies, too. So I'm like, okay, this is perfect. And it's A24, right? Right. Love A24. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, damn, this was sad. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I'd hope you didn't watch this first. No, I, I definitely watched Plain Strains of Automobiles first. Uh, yeah. Because I watched that like a couple days back. I watched The Humans Today uh, mm. just like a couple hours before we were set to record because i was like yeah i'll I'll watch that one you know i I still have showtime for uh my uh student discount and stuff like that i haven't logged into that account you know and yeah i still have it as a part of like the hulu package and everything (laughs) well look i'll say this man it's a depressing movie but i think it's a very thoughtful depressing movie it makes you it makes you think it is as far as like what it means and what each character's like w- w- the demons that linger over each character, especially the parents. Um, it's a movie that makes me think, and um, I like it, man. And any you can you can read it in different ways. What the darkness is, maybe it's um, Eric's uh, anxiety that maybe dementia is coming for him, like it came for his mom. You know what I'm saying? Like it could be a lot of things of what that lingering darkness is. 
Um, but I think it's a very well done, sad movie. Uh, I gotta say, I give it. I give it a four. I feel it's a well done movie. See, I I think the cinematography is done well. I like the themes of the movie, and I like the characters. Uh, the one thing that just holds this movie up for me is it's just so slow paced and boring mm-hmm. at times. Like there's some yeah. conversations and stuff that it's it's got your attention, but with watching this movie, there were a couple times that I was like checking the time on the movie and going, okay, we're we're still going. And I was waiting for some kind of like major conflict to happen. And there was nothing. It was just depressing family get together, the movie. And I was waiting for like some kind of major conflict to happen. And then the movie kind of just ended with no big bang or anything like that, which I understand for this kind of movie. It wasn't, you know, meant to be like that. But especially with it kind of bringing up those kind of like uh, anxiety kind of attacks that uh, the father was having and Mm -hmm. the mother like having to like creep through the dark and stuff like that. I was expecting something to happen that would kind of bring the family together to commemorate basically what he said with we got to take the moments while we can. And I almost thought that that was happening when uh, the grandmother disappeared for a little bit. But that kind of just got resolved right away, almost, and then it just didn't get brought up again. That she right. just oh, wandered off. Oh, like, oh, she's right here in the boiler. Let's let's go get her. Yeah, bring let's her just back. bring her back, and uh, okay, back to just depressing family dinner again. And it's uh, there's a lot I like about this movie, but there's so much more that I just kind of was going. Ah, I don't. This is just it's boring now. <laughs> It's a mess. It's a mess, but I think it's a I think it's a well done mess. Yeah, I I think it's got a lot in there that's good, but it's hard for me to recommend this one. Uh, but it, it's a three out yeah, of five I, for me. I, I don't. It, there's a special kind of audience I know. There's a special kind of audience that I would have to recommend this to. Like, like I, I know my cousin likes depressing movies, so she would like. This is up her alley. Okay. Um, but uh. Yeah, I can't I can't I can't recommend this to every single like I watched this by myself. I didn't recommend this as a Thanksgiving movie with my wife because, well, I did it first, but I'm kind of glad she kind of passed up on it because she would have I know her. She probably would have been angry. Like, Anthony, what was the point of that? Like, Why, <laughs> why did, did you make that? me watch this? <laughs> right. You know, she would have been angry about it. But um, yeah, I, it's a one time. I don't see myself watching this again just because it's so sad. No, I'm not going to go back and view this one again. But I like the way it was made. I like the dialogue. I like the interactions. Um, You know, I admire the the craftsmanship uh, that was put in this directorial debut. I um, I always think it's interesting when plays are translated to cinema. Like, you know, when you look at a film like Doubt with, you know, Meryl Streep and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, which is really good. Fences with Denzel and Viola. Um, we uh, the hateful eight played out like a play because mm-hmm. um, that's the way Tarantino wrote it. So I just like I like cinema that's inspired by plays or inspired by the play format. I, it, it interests me. See, I do. I can get behind like the creativity that goes behind it and everything like that. But very rarely does it go to movie format and work out with that same like play structure 
Like not saying know, like the man. plot doesn't work in like a movie structure, but it's usually when they try and keep it too close to like how the play would be. And this is one of those movies that just it it, it didn't translate as well to me. I think there have been more successes than failures. The father was based off a play too, right? Kind of the same thing. The guy who, uh, the person who wrote that play, uh, made their directorial debut with that film. And you know, I feel like we've seen more success. I, I've seen more successes than failures at that format. Okay, maybe it's just the ones that just didn't work out stand stronger in my head. But maybe it, it's it, that's what I kind of get from it. But this one's it's a three out of five for me. It's just uh, definitely not one that I can recommend to people (laughs) unless you're really looking for like a depressing family kind of movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it it is what it is. I mean, it's it's, um, you know, it's it's either your thing or it, it isn't. I feel like this is a strong you either like it or you don't kind of film. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I don't th- I don't think you can be in between because you like it. You like the way it's made. You just don't like the whole you don't like the plot of it. You just right. like the way it's made. I, um, I like a lot of things around it, but I just am not a fan of the plot overall. Right. I got you. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're right in your own way, but uh. I liked it, man. I thought it was. I thought it was a solid mess. Yeah, uh, I can definitely see where like you come from when you say that you enjoy this movie. I right. just did not have that same feeling toward it. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. So, uh, like I said, it, it goes without saying. It was kind of almost unfair from the get uh, to put planes, trains with this because there's just there's no verses here. Like, yeah. <laughs> the humans lost before it even walked in the door. <laughs> This had it, to be a this had to be a top 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 ten kind of movie in order for it to even touch planes. Yeah. So, kind of moving along now. Uh, <laughs> did you finally watch last night in Soho? Uh, oh yeah, Soho. I saw it. I okay, saw it, man. Good, good. We can finally talk about this one because I wanted to talk about it in the last time that we were discussing, but it's like it's such a movie that you can't talk about without spoilers i'm gonna say it like this man I, I went in you know what i'm saying um edgar wright is a very talented director so i said i'm gonna enjoy this you know so let me just uh see what it's all about you know i went in i saw it and i walked out and i said that was a pretty solid story man that was a pretty solid storyline and uh i kind of kind of left it at that like it didn't it didn't hold me like Baby Driver and The World's End did. I really love those two movies, um, but I thought it was solid. I thought it was a solid, uh, solid thriller. Yeah, it know, wasn't you, meant to be as like fun and exciting as like Baby Driver. Like where you walk out of Baby Driver, you're kind of like you're you're humming one of the songs and you're kind of going, "Yeah, that was a that was a very fun movie." That Last movie Night in Soho, own, yeah, is not. I don't want to say it's not a fun movie. But it's not meant to be like a kind of poppy movie. But I'm okay. I, I was okay with that yeah. going in. Like I, I, I expected kind of like a horror, a horror film to be honest. 
but um, it kind of just went psychological thriller a little bit. Yeah, that's what was I was kind of trying to say is like it's not really horror. And I was trying to find like another movie that was close to that. And that's where like Promising Young Woman came in where it's not really horror, See? but it's more psychological on it. When you said that, I got a little worried. I'm like, Promising Young Woman works for the mo- works for the movie that it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't want to go see a Promising Young Woman hack. Like I was like, ah oh, man, another Me Too thriller. Like no, I like now they're gonna start ripping it off. Like people try to rip off Get Out. But um, I'm glad I was thoroughly surprised by it. Um, I liked it, man. I um, I don't think it's one of Edgar Wright's best, in my opinion. But I, I wouldn't that put he- it as one of his best. But it's still a great Edgar Wright movie. It's well done. Um, you, I, I love the music score in the film because you, he, he really does weave the music score in with the sound effects. Oh yeah, I, and I, I think that's really well done. He, he's a craftsman. He's a craftsman filmmaker, and he, he shows it in everything he makes. Like he really throws his whole heart on the wall with every movie he makes. Like Wes Anderson, which I want to, I wanted to see this with French Dispatch, but it just didn't come together. Um. Yeah, man, I liked it. You know, I thought the final twist was a uh, very good. Yes, uh, from, from a storytelling aspect, it, it was a know. twist in a movie that actually got me. I did not see it from any angle. I did know, I something in the back of my mind. I think I've seen too many movies that I, I, I kind of, I kind of fool myself into not wanting to be fooled. And the minute I saw her on screen, I was like. Is that homegirl at an older age? I just kind of said it in my mind. I didn't really think that would be it. But when mm-hmm. it showed up, and then when it showed up, like, what really happened, you know what I mean? I was like, all right, that's a pretty solid twist. That's a, that's a, that's a, very, that's a very solid twist of uh, storytelling. Yeah. But then when they tried to humanize her and said she was just a bad girl caught up in the wrong I'm like, come on, man. This I didn't think they like really tried dudes. to humanize her. It was she was trying to humanize herself. She was trying to like be like, look, I'm not the bad guy, even though clearly are, she though. was. Well, I, I just, I, 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 it's a slippery slope. Like when the when one of the ghosts were like, well, spoiler alert, y'all. Um, put this, we'll just put it in the description. They'll know. Yeah. Uh, when one of the ghosts was like, you have to kill her to release us, and the girl was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that. This man, just, this woman just stabbed your boyfriend in the stomach. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get her. Like, come on now. There's no, there's no room for uh, sisterhood here. This woman is trying to kill you. Like, I, I don't think it was trying to be sisterhood. It's she didn't want to fall down the same path that she did. She refused to become her because throughout the entire movie, she was striving to be her. And this was her way of going, no, I'm not going to become you. I don't buy that, man. I, I, I don't buy that. This is not trying to be her. This is you trying to save your life. Like, I, I don't, I don't, this is like when Baby Driver, when all of a sudden Kevin Spacey became a good guy and just, and just helped Baby Driver. And I'm like, that makes no sense. This guy was been a, this guy has been a menacing presence this whole film. Like now he's just going to be the good guy. I think, I, I don't, I don't want to call this an Edgar Wright issue because it could just be me. I just feel like. I was like, that was a cop out, man. Like, I don't want to feel sorry for that woman. She stabbed a bunch of dudes. Like, but I, I understand how she got gypped by uh, who's my man that plays Doctor Who? Um, uh, 
you know, the, the, the guy that she... You're talking about uh, Jack in the movie, right? Yeah, I, I think his name was Jack. You know, Jack Jack screwed her over, of course. He So he, he, he is a bad guy in that sense um, because, you know, she actually wanted to show her talent and, you know, he focused on, you know, bodily things. Um, but I just felt like that was a little bit of a cop-out, in my opinion. Outside of that, yeah, I thought the movie was... I thought it was good. That, um... That uh, that kid, that that one black kid, he he was willing to forego a lot of things to be with this woman. Oh yeah. I fi- I figured if I ran into the first strange thing about her almost stabbing home girl in the eye, I would have been like, all right, you know, shorty, you and I can be friends, but I don't really want to be your suitor anymore. <laughs> you, you, you're a different kind of psycho. <laughs> yeah, you you got to get some help before you and I start dating. Like, he was really he was willing to forego a lot of things. Um, a lot of red flags to be with Ellie, mm-hmm. but you know, more power to him. Oh, the the one scene where he goes back to her place for the first time, and mm-hmm. she's looking up at uh, the ceiling, and it's the like mirrored kind of thing. That scene, I absolutely love that because she keeps turning to every like angle, and there's a mirror in like every place that she's looking, that she's seeing everything from every angle, and freaking. I love that scene. That is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. And it, better yet, made by the fact that it's all in her head at the time, too. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's freaking out because she's basically just screaming at the walls, it seeming completely psychotic. And then it keeps going back to her point of view, and she's seeing like the walls collapsing in, and you know, the glass and everything, and seeing this whole different world. And oh, I love that scene. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that scene was cool. Um, I liked uh, I liked the scenes with Terrence Stamp where, um, you know, we the whole movie, we think that he's Jack at an older age. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we kind of realized, you know, before he gets ran over that, you know, like he wasn't he's not Jack. He's the um, he's the cop that she met in one scene. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite scene, but uh, I, I thought it was a very well done thriller. Like, I, I thought it was very well done. Um, it's definitely an Edgar Wright movie. Like I said, not one of the best ones I've seen, but I like that he put his foot out there and did something different. Oh, yeah. He, he definitely tried something different. I think it worked personally, but it's still, mm-hmm. he's done other things better by far. I get, um, I'm between a three and a 3.5, but I really enjoyed it. This one's a four for me. Okay, yeah. let me talk to the let me talk to the non Edgar Wright fan. Is this still a four? <laughs> uh, the non Edgar Wright fan thinks this is a four. There's a lot of cinematography play okay. points that I loved about this, with her switching between reality and uh, the kind of I, I want to say hallucinations, but it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Of like the ghosts were they weren't scary, but they were just very creepy. That were constantly following her as they appeared and stuff like that. Uh, then you have like the scenes with her like trying to escape up the staircase, and it keeps transforming from the staircase to the glass that's cracking as she's going up the stairs, and just mm-hmm. all those scenes. It's just like oh, that it it, it gives you like uh, I I love that kind of like cinematography and use of like swapping realities and everything. That was good with her um, 
trying to run away from the lady and um it, it kept switching realities that was pretty good yeah like those scenes made this movie for me i absolutely loved those and outside of like the edgar wright fan i i loved all that kind of stuff i can definitely see like oh there's some problems with this movie or there's some things that i didn't like about it that's why it's not a perfect five out of five but Mm -hmm. there's enough here that i think it stands as a good four to me okay okay you know this movie is already out on streaming right um yeah i need to watch it again on streaming that's crazy man I tell you, man, they they just don't they don't waste their time nowadays. It was like right? two weeks after I saw it in theaters, it came out on streaming. Like I'll admit, I didn't see it like first weekend, but mm-hmm. it it came out quick. It did. Um, I wanted to tell you before we sign off. Uh, I saw Halle Berry's newest movie, Bruised, on Netflix. Uh, pretty good, man. You know, I usually like boxer movies, like redemptive boxer movies. Uh, mm-hmm. This is more dealing with MMA, but uh, this is her directorial debut. She's also a- she's also acting in it. Pretty solid, man. Pretty solid movie. Uh, I give it a three point five slash four out of five. It's 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 solid. Um, so if you like those kind of movies, I would say definitely check that out. Uh, I saw House of Gucci with Lady Gaga. I was curious about that one. I keep seeing the commercials and like the trailers for that one. It's like I. I- I'm kind of want to see that one. All right. So this is a film where everybody kind of understood the assignment of what their roles were and fulfilled the assignment. You know, like people say, you know, some critics are like Lady Gaga and Jared Leto are over the top. I'm like, well, the, kind of, the roles kind of call for them to be over it the top. It seems like it's supposed to be a very over yeah. the top movie. They, they, they're supposed to be like that. Adam Driver is supposed to be the straight man in all of this because his character, his guy, the guy he plays in real life was kind of like that compared to his wife. Um, so everybody does what they're supposed to do acting wise. Uh, I think it was um, compared to really Scott's other film that came out this year, The Last Duel. It's not as exciting or ex- as exhilarating, but it does its job. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 an entertaining movie. Um it's a little out there in some scenes, but it's entertaining. Uh, it, it's fast paced. And it tells the story, you know, it tells the tragic story of the Gucci family and uh, it does it well. And that's kind of really all you really all you pretty much take from it. Like, OK, that was a well-told story. Um, the end. It's kind of like all the money in the world. Did you see that other movie of his? I didn't watch that one because that's the one where they had to reshoot like most of the movie. Yeah, they right? reshot Kevin Spacey scenes yeah. because you know those sexual harassment allegations came out. So they reshot his scenes with Christopher Plummer. Rest in peace. Um, that's a that's another. It's a good movie, you know. And when it ends, you're kind of like, oh, that was a great story. The end. Okay. You know, I feel like House of Gucci is like that. I give it a. It's a three point five. It's a it's a great one time watch. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay, because yeah, it seemed like it was a, a very like excitable movie. It was so like you. you I, I feel like the only reason I would kind of watch this again is to watch the acting scenes again. Like you know, Jared Leto is pretty funny in some scenes, and so is Lady Gaga. Um, you know, it's it's funny to watch the chemistry between Lady Gaga and Adam Driver too as they kind of play off each other outside of that, man, I don't, I think it's a great one time watch. 
that's kind of where I would put Gucci. Like, I could see myself watching The Last Duel multiple times. Okay. Because of how awesome it was. Like, that was that was gladiator status. That was that was something special. But um, House of Gucci was cool. Okay. But I think that wraps it up for today. All right, y'all. Um, if you uh, if you're if you. Well, you'll probably be hearing this after, but I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great Christmas. Um, Take care.